O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, April 15. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Tazria, and it means she conceives. Leviticus 14, 1-32 Hashem spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the ritual for a leper at the time that he is to be cleansed. When it has been reported to the Kohen, the Kohen shall go outside the camp. If the Kohen sees that the leper has been healed of his scaly infection, the Kohen shall order two live clean birds, cedar wood, crimson stuff, and hyssop to be brought for him who is to be cleansed. The Kohen shall order one of the birds slaughtered over fresh water in an earthen vessel, and he shall take the live bird along with the cedar wood, the crimson stuff, and the hyssop, and the dip and dip them together with the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. He shall then sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the infection and cleanse him, and he shall set the live bird free in the open country. The one to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and bathe in water. Then he shall be clean. After that he may enter the camp, but he must remain outside his tent seven days. On the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair, of head, beard, and eyebrows. When he has shaved off all his hair, he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. Then he shall be clean. 
On the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb in its first year without blemish, three-tenths of a measure of choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering, and one log of oil. These shall be presented before Hashem with the man to be cleansed at the entrance of the tent of meeting by the Kohen who performs the cleansing. The Kohen shall take one of the male lambs and offer it with the log of oil as a guilt offering, and he shall elevate them as an elevation offering before Hashem. The lamb shall be slaughtered at the spot in the sacred area where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, goes to the Kohen. It is most holy. The Kohen shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the Kohen shall put it on the ridge of the right ear of him who is being cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The Kohen shall then take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the Kohen shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in the palm of his left hand, and sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before Hashem. Some of the oil left in his palm shall be put by the Kohen on the ridge of the right ear of the one being cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, over the blood of the guilt offering. The rest of the oil in his palm the Kohen shall put on the head of the one being cleansed. Thus the Kohen shall make expiation for him before Hashem. The Kohen shall then offer the sin offering and make expiation for the one being cleansed of his uncleanness. Last, the burnt offering shall be slaughtered, and the Kohen shall offer the burnt offering and the meal offering on the mitzbayah, and the Kohen shall make expiation for him. Then he shall be clean. If, however, he is poor and his means are insufficient, he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be elevated in expiation for him, one-tenth of a measure of choice flour with oil mixed in for a meal offering, and a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two pigeons, depending on his means, the one to be the sin offering and the other the burnt offering. On the eighth day of his cleansing he shall bring them to the Kohen at the entrance of the tent of meeting, before Hashem. The Kohen shall take the lamb of guilt offering and the log of oil and elevate them as an elevation offering before Hashem. When the lamb of guilt offering has been slaughtered, the Kohen shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the ridge of the right ear of the one being cleansed on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. The Kohen shall then pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand, and with the finger of his right hand the Kohen shall sprinkle some of the oil that is in the palm of his left hand seven times before Hashem. Some of the oil in his palm shall be put by the Kohen on the ridge of the right ear of the one being cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, over the same places as the blood of the guilt offering. And what is left of the oil in his palm the Kohen shall put on the head of the one being cleansed, to make expiation for him, before Hashem. He shall then offer one of the turtle doves or pigeons, depending on his means, whichever he can afford, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, together with the meal offering. Thus the Kohen shall make expiation before Hashem for the one being cleansed. 
Such is the ritual for him who has a scaly affection and whose means for his cleansing are limited. Joshua 11, 1-12-24 When the news reached King Jabin of Hazor, he sent messages to King Jobab of Madon, to the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshaph, and to the other kings in the north, in the hill country, in the Arabah, south of Shinareth, in the lowlands, and in the district of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and in the west, to the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Jebusites in the hill country, and to the Hivites at the foot of Sherman in the land of Mitzpah. They took the field with all their armies, an enormous host, as numerous as the sands on the seashore, and a vast multitude of horses and chariots. All these kings joined forces. They came and encamped together at the waters of Miram to give battle to Israel. But Hashem said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. Tomorrow at this time I will have them all lying slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua, with all his fighting men, came upon them suddenly at the waters of Miram and pounced upon them. HaShem delivered them into the hands of Israel, and they defeated them and pursued them all the way to, to Great Sidon and Misrathoth and Maim, and all the way to the Valley of Mizpah on the east, and they crushed them, letting none escape. And Joshua dealt with them as HaShem had ordered him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots. Joshua then turned back and captured Hazor and put her king to the sword. Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. They proscribed and put to the sword every person in it. Not a soul survived, and Hazor itself was burned down. Joshua captured all those royal cities and their kings. He put them to the sword. He proscribed them in accordance with the charge of Moses, the servant of Hashem. However, all those towns that are still standing on their mounds were not burned down by Israel. It was Hazor alone that Joshua burned down. The Israelites kept all the spoil and cattle of the rest of those cities as booty, but they cut down their populations with the sword until they exterminated them. They did not spare a soul. Just as Hashem had commanded a servant Moses, so Moses charged Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that Hashem had commanded Moses. Joshua conquered the whole of this region, the hill country of Judah, the Negev, the whole land of Goshen, the Shephelah, the Arabah, and the hill country and coastal plain of Israel, everything from Mount Halak, which ascends to Seir, all the way to Baal Gad and the valley of Lebanon at the foot of Mount Sherman. And he captured all the kings there and executed them. Joshua waged war with all those kings over a long period. Apart from the Hivites who dwelt in Gibbon, not a single city made terms with the Israelites. All were taken in battle. For it was Hashem's doing to stiffen their hearts to give battle to Israel, in order that they might be proscribed without quarter and wiped out, as Hashem had commanded Moses. At that time Joshua went and wiped out the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, and Anab, from the entire hill country of Yehuda and from the entire hill country of Israel. Joshua proscribed them 
and their towns. No Anakites remained in the land of the Israelites, but some remained in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. Thus Joshua conquered the whole country, just as Hashem had promised Moses, and Joshua assigned it to Israel to share according to their tribal divisions, and the land had rest from war. The following are the local kings whom the Israelites defeated and whose territories they took possession of. East of the Jordan, from the Wadi Arnon to Mount Hermon, including the eastern half of the Arabah, King Sihon of the Amorites, who resided in Heshbon and ruled over part of Gilead, from Aror over the bank of the Wadi Arnon and the Wadi proper, up to the Wadi Jabbok and the border of the Ammonites, and over the eastern Arabah up to the Sea of Chinnereth and southward by the way of Beth Jeshemoth at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah on the east, down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is, the Dead Sea. Also the territory of King Og of Bashan, one of the last of Rephaim, who resided in Ashtaroth and in Edri, and ruled over Mount Hermon, Salka, and all of Bashan up to the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, as also over part of Gilead, down to the border of King Sihon of Heshbon. These were vanquished by Moses, the servant of Hashem, and the Israelites, and Moses, the servant of Hashem, assigned that territory as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the following are the local kings whom Joshua and the Israelites defeated on the west side of the Jordan, from Baal Gad in the valley of the Lebanon to Mount Halak, which ascends to Seir, which Joshua assigned as a possession to the tribal divisions of Israel, in the hill country, in the lowlands, in the Arabah, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the Negev, in the land of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They were the king of Jericho, one, the king of Ai near Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmut, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Gezer, the king of Debir, the king of Geder, the king of Hormah, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapuach, the king of Hefer, the king of Aphek, the king of Sharon, the king of Madon, the king of Hazor, the king of Shimron Meron, the king of Akshaph, the king of Tanakh, the king of Megiddo. Luke 17, 11-37 And it came to pass, as he, Yeshua, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Yeshua, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Yeshua answering said, Were there not ten lepers cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, except this stranger. 
And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said to the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lightens out one part under heaven shines unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Psalm 84, 1-12 How amiable are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yea, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in your house. They will still be praising you, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the ways of them who, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength, and every one of them in Zion appears before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in you. 
Proverbs 13, 5 and 6 A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness keeps him that is upright in the way, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. I'd like to speak to you today from Joshua chapters 11 and 12, and then we're going to jump into Luke chapter 17. And in Joshua... Chapter 11, verse 12, it is written, Joshua captured all those royal cities and their kings. He put them to the sword. He proscribed them in accordance with the charge of Moses, the servant of Hashem. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Moses is described as being an Eved of Hashem. In Hebrew, Eved can mean a slave. However, it is also used to describe a servant, particularly one who faithfully serves his master. Therefore, one of the greatest praises that can be offered is to be called by the title Eved Hashem, a faithful servant of God who always strives to fulfill his will. Moses is the greatest example of this, but all human beings are to strive to achieve this high level of being a faithful servant to God. Continuing on in Joshua chapter 12, verse 6, it is written, These were vanquished by Moses, the servant of Hashem, and the Israelites, and Moses, the servant of Hashem, assigned that territory as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows, in this chapter, which summarizes the wars fought by the children of Israel to take possession of the promised land, we are also reminded of the wars Moses fought. Moses led the people against Sihon and Og and captured the Gilead and the Bashan. This area became the inheritance of the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half of Manasseh. The Bashan is now known as the Golan Heights which Israel conquered in the Six-Day War from Syria. Towering over the north of the country, the Golan Heights provides an essential strategic perch that is vital for Israel's security. Coupled with its biblical significance, the Golan Heights remain an important part of the state of Israel. In his final interview before suffering a massive stroke in 2006, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon told Japanese reporters, I am a Jew, and that is the most important thing for me. Therefore, when it comes to the security of Israel, I will not make any compromises. I don't see any situation where Israel will not be sitting on the Golan Heights. Continuing on in the New Testament now, looking at Luke chapter 17. Yeshua is speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them about what they will see regarding the kingdom of God and what's going to happen in the end of days. So in verse 21, he says this, Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That's a very deep verse. It's something to reflect on and meditate on. Yes, there's going to come a day in the future when Yeshua will return 
and he will establish his 1,000-year reign here on the earth. And if we happen to die before he returns and we go to heaven, then we will be literally in the kingdom of God then, after we pass out of this life and go into eternity. So there is a place and there is a time in the future when we're going to experience a greater dimension of the kingdom of God in our future. But also what this verse is saying is that we can experience the kingdom of God right now and that it's within us. So what would we expect to experience? Well, if the kingdom of God is within us and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we should be experiencing the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentle and self-control. So we want to walk in the shalom, the peace of God. We want to experience and walk in the fullness of his joy and his love. And sometimes we don't experience that at all. In fact, we have inner conflict. We have inner torment. We have, uh, you know, negative things that come up. We might have uh, a conflict with anger or unforgiveness or hatred or bitterness or fear. Now, that's because there's a battle going on and we have to conquer the promised land within sight of us. And we need to rout out the enemies within sight of us so that we so that the kingdom of God within us can expand and expand and expand. Anyway, there's a lot to that verse. It's something to certainly meditate on. So now let's jump down to verse 25 and 26. But first, he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Now I want to unpack that a little bit for you, especially putting it into context with what we are experiencing and going through right now globally with the global pandemic of the coronavirus. So what was going on in the days of, the, of Noah that are similar to what's going on today in the days that we are now living in? In the days of Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, it is written, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of man came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Verse 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What is this verse 4 talking about? It's talk the sons of God. These are spiritual beings. They are actually demons. They came to the daughters of men. So basically these demons are having sexual relations, intimacy with female humans. And then their children are the Nephilim, the Nephilim. And so the human genome, the human DNA was being corrupted because of this mixture of the sons of God mating with the daughters of men. 
the human genome was being corrupted. And so this is why, one of the reasons why, and, the, and as a result, the wickedness of man was very, very great. So because of this genetic um, pollution that was going on, this was one of the reasons why God wiped out all of mankind on the earth, except for Noah and his family on the ark, because this was defiling the human genome. So how do we see this playing out today? We now have this so-called vaccine, and it's really not a vaccine. The Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines that are out there, and they're really not vaccines. They are genetic therapy. They are medicine that is injected, and it's genetic therapy. And literally, the vaccine contains mRNA, which then talks to your DNA, and permanently changes it. It alters your immune system so that instead of your immune system that God has beautifully designed to operate within you and to function, now the immune system is being hijacked by this mRNA medicine. And so it's, it alters the human DNA permanently. It creates a spike protein and then the next time that someone is um, exposed to a coronavirus-like uh, virus, you know, some for a coronavirus, COVID-21 or some other mutation, they could very likely have a very bad reaction to it, a cytokine storm, an overreaction, a hyperimmune response. So these vaccines or these this gene therapy medicine that's being administered globally is similar to what was going on in the days of Noah. The human genome is being corrupted. That's the connection. And so Yeshua continues on and he gives other signs and things to be watching for um, of what will be happening just prior to the return of the Lord. So are we getting close to his second coming? I think so. I believe it will happen in our lifetime. I don't think it's 500 years away or 100 years away or even 50 years away. I think it's this is the generation right now that will see the return of Yeshua. So we need to continue to watch, wait, and pray and be awake, aware, and alert and following Yeshua closely. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. 
Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.